Welcome to the Mad Pastors Podcast, the honest podcast for honest pastors, powered by G6 Allies, because everybody needs an ally. Well, welcome back to the Mad Pastors Podcast. As always, I'm Ian. And as not always, I'm Michael. It's not always me. Sometimes I'm Antonio, remember? Yeah. I remember tried. that guy? I tried to forget I love it. that guy. Really, I really tried to Antonio says hello. Antonio's a, a jerk. All right, so moving on. Uh, listen, if you are, so we're, we're jumping into a whole new series of podcasts this week, so we're super excited about that. We spent the last four episodes talking about uh, sports and how that relates to us as believers, because we don't really know what to do with that a lot of times. Um, and so I'm not a huge sports guy, so I'm glad to be done with that. And I appreciate that Michael is though. We did that. So I think we should do another eight or 10 episodes on sports. Michael will be co-hosting alone. Uh, so <laughs> all that to say, we are, we're really excited to jump into this new series, red flags. So, uh, you know, everybody hears that term. I think we know about red flags, but here's, we always look back and, and we wonder how do we, how do we recognize and respond to warning signs in ministry. I mean, that is, that's huge, right? Because we know that nine, probably 90% of ministry woes, 90% of unhealthy staffs or all these things, most of that stuff could be, you can't account for everything because we're not clairvoyant, you know, you right. can't see it all. But there are so many bad hires or we don't pay attention to things when, you know, we could nip it in the bud. And, and honestly, it can hurt or ruin ministries that could have been saved otherwise. It can cause us a lot of help and pain. And so we want to spend uh, quite a few episodes. There's several episodes that will fit into this, but they'll be different. We have a lot of guests that we'll be having on to talk left and right about uh, ministry and, and about red flags. And so we want to spend those times talking about warning signs of ministry, really practical and clear. But we're going to be talking about this from a pastor's perspective, a staff member's perspective, a churchgoer's perspective, a, a member of a church or a faith family. So it really hits us across the board and everybody in every one of those situations needs to hear all of them. They need to see, understand what that's and like. Here's, here's why I'm excited about this series. Um, it's going to be super relevant for yeah. so many of you uh, mm-hmm. as you're thinking through, hey, who do I need to hire? How do I need to go about that whole process? What should I be looking for? Sure. Uh, because you're, I mean, there are some, certainly some principles that overlap, or there should be a lot of principles that overlap across different positions. Yeah. But there are also a lot of distinctions. You're looking for something different in hiring a kid's pastor than you are in looking for hiring a worship pastor or right. or whatever. Sure. So we're going to get into all of that, and we're going to have lots of good interviews with some really great pastors who are killing it in their area, and they're going to give us some insights over, hey, this is what you should be looking for when you need to hire a pastor in this area, or yeah. um, here, here's some things you need to address when you see a pastor who's struggling. Oh, and or, even, there's all yeah, kinds even of stuff talking about that's going to make this really relevant. That's mm-hmm. one of the hardest things, right? Is we need volunteers, but you don't need unhealthy volunteers. How do you how do you deal with that and walk through it? And I, I think one of the greatest things that should come out of this series, and and you, you I've heard this phrase over and over. I think everybody's probably um, everybody's probably claimed responsibility for for saying it. Excuse me, I got the hiccups. But the idea that keep the main thing the main thing. And I think... I said that first. Uh, see, I knew it. Uh, but all that to say, um, 
How think about how many? Just think about in church how often how smooth ministry could be. How it would be difficult for the right reasons in the right places rather than the wrong ones if we really could keep the main thing the main thing. And so one of the things I'm really excited about in this series is learning how to separate an actual red flag from a personal agenda or a personal bias. Mm-hmm. And that's big because we don't, listen, we live, I mean, you know, everybody watching this knows, or and if you don't know, then you're part of the, maybe the ignorant few or ignorant many, that life is just about being a victim and complaining. And if something's wrong, if I think something's wrong, it must be wrong. And that's not the case. In fact, scripture says, David says that in Psalm 139, he says, listen, search me and know me. And if there's any offensive way in me, then let me know about it. Root it out of me. And that, that's what we're talking about here. Not every, not every negative thing you think is a good thing to talk about. Not every feeling you have, because truthfully, most of us, we question everybody else's motives, never our own. Mm -hmm. And then we get frustrated. And so that's, that is what needs to come out of this. So whether you're a head pastor or a lead pastor at a small church, at a church plant, at a huge church, or you're a staff member, this applies to everybody across the board because it's about the church as a whole, not just one size uh, or, you know, or small yeah, or big and, or anything. Even, even if you're not a pastor at all. If, yeah, you if, need to hear this. I mean, if whatever your profession is, whatever your career looks like, man, it will serve you well to pay attention to red flags, right? Like no doubt. We, we need to constantly be on our toes. Otherwise, we're going to be caught off guard by something. Yeah. And uh, we need to be active and prepared and ready to face those those challenges, right? Well, and you, you and, bring up a good point because we need to be, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute about the benefits of the series. But um, I mean, we're going to, this is kind of uh, talking about red flags when you're a church member seems irrelevant because you really, have you ever thought about, should I fire my pastor? Most of the time, we don't think that's an option <laughs> or that we shouldn't do that or there's something sinful about it. And, and the, it shouldn't be. There should be account, and we're going to talk about that accountability setup and those kind of things. But you, as a church member, you are not a consumer that's just supposed to take what you get. That's what so many churches have turned it into. Mm-hmm. That's not how God designed the church, and we'll talk through that. But that is, there's a lot to say about, you know, that's one of our one of our topics coming up very quickly is, man, when do I need to fire my pastor? It's mm-hmm. fair. And, and when do I, when do I need to approach my pastor about something that I see mm-hmm. as a red flag? That's a good point. Like, which, but also, yeah, we, we've got this really split up. We're going to give it all away if we say too much, but, but we just want to kind of take a minute to talk about this whole thing. Mike, what's one, like, think about it in ministry. What's one of your, the biggest red flag moments you wish you had paid attention to in the beginning? There's a lot of them for me. Well, then you go first while I think about it. <laughs> well, okay. Um, it's going to be hard to pick one. The, uh. <laughs> Yeah, narrowing it in to, to pick or one. Or let's say this. Would, what's a good situation that you stayed away from as a red flag? It doesn't have to be. It could have been. Oh, here, I'll give one for me, too. So most of the time, I say, you know, ministry right now, can it seems difficult, maybe in this season, but it always for when you're looking at a new position, like when you're, we're going to talk a lot about hiring and firing and, and, and how to find the right person for a position and how to discern. Really, that's what red flags are all about is discernment and uh, listening to the right things. But I think, and, and just FYI, discernment is something that can be developed and, and helped. It's not just a gift. So it is a gift for some people, but I think we look at it and go, I'm just, I've known so many pastors that are like, I'm just not, a dis- I don't have the gift of discernment. Well, yeah. but you have to have You're the gift not of off the hook. idiocy when you just say, well, I'm not going to be discerning. 
And, and, and pastors, bigger pastors than you'd ever think that have special people in their ministry that discern everything for them and, and do what they say. And that stuff is just stupid. So you need to understand. That, to me, is a red flag. Yeah, truth. Uh, so that, that will be my example. Yeah. I, I worked at a church where the pastor had a, um, a person that worked in his office, uh, and, and she essentially was the office of the pastor, and that was yeah. her role. Oh, and yeah. so everything went through her. In fact, I heard multiple staff members refer to her, just casually refer to her as the church's Holy Spirit. And I've got that. Like, she may be very wise. She may be very intuitive. She may be sure. very discerning. She's not the Holy Spirit. Like right. when we go down that road, that's a pretty big red flag. That hey, there's yeah. something that's almost something off here. Like that's, that's almost idolatry that, to some extent. That's and, border on, borderline blasphemy. Well, right? I, but I went to yeah, work at crazy. a church where it's a similar thing. I went to work at this church where the really the person, the pastor, is incredibly just weak-minded person. Couldn't make his own decisions. Um, ran one of his staff members to the point of antidepressants who didn't have an issue with that ahead of time. And so, but the guy just let it happen. And he had a, he had a administrative assistant who, if you were on the good side, man, that person, you got, you get whatever you wanted to do, whatever you needed to do, but on the wrong side of them, you just got shunned and kicked out. I watched guys who probably could have been lovingly walked through some situations, just get kicked around and pushed out. And eventually you know, I got caught up in that game with him, and I was fine when it was all okay. And then when it all turned, it, it made sense. I just left. Yeah, favoritism is a is a big red flag. No, for sure. no doubt. And so, but but yeah, I think one good red flag I think that I saw years ago, and of course that's the dissatisfying thing about going ahead with a <laughs> with the red flags that you're like, but I wonder if you know. Yeah. And but I do remember, you know, at one point I was using a service called Vanderblomen to. Uh, looking at, I was at a church that was pretty unhealthy. Well, all these red flag things will come up over time, but I had seen so many red flags over a couple of years that I just went, this is, this is an okay. And so, you know, I will talk probably more about that stuff, but I remember interviewing for churches and man, what I was talking about earlier is that when you're in a ministry, you just want to chomp. If you got something that'll work and that's, that's, that's a red flag for yourself personally. And that's something nobody else can really account for. I need to know that I'm not just jumping at something because it's available. It needs to be the right thing and I need to be selective. And so, you know, when I was, I remember I was at this church and I was talking with this church and this guy and they had this whole conversation. They're like, Hey, you would be a great student pastor and you'd be in charge global and in charge of four or five campuses. And we're really focused on uh, chasing after Jesus. And, and we're really excited about this, uh, but here's the thing. And I was like, Okay. Well, you always got to listen to a butt and that's fine. Everybody's got a butt. Some people are worse than others, but all that to say, um, they stepped in and and the question was, well, there's this guy and he's not even on staff. He's just a volunteer. He's been there for about 20 years. And I said, okay, that seems odd to bring up, but go for it. And they say, I I don't know what his name was. It's not like John or something, but it said that he's, he's untouchable. And I was like, Ooh, that seems odd. First of all, just to say anybody's untouchable. But he said, he's untouchable, and you just need to understand that even though you are globally in charge of all of students in 6th through 12th grade and 500 kids total, you, you just, you're going to have to listen to whatever that guy says. <laughs> and I went, that's not okay. Like, I'm, that's weird. And then they said, oh, also, this church, very reformed. And I was like, okay, cool, whatever. 
And I, one way or the other, it doesn't matter to me as long as we're focused on the gospel. And he said, they're very reformed, um, but and they're okay with drinking. But here's the deal. You can't be a teetotaler. You either drink or you don't drink. And you, you're going to have to make that decision one way or the other. But they, if you just choose not to hear and do hear, they're not okay with that. And I said, that's when, and I remember setting in my mind, and I just called him about a week later because I was at a point where I really wanted to bite and go. But I realized I'd be in the same situation I was at before because at one point, there's nothing about spiritual leadership in that church. And I just said, this isn't going to be the place for me because they seem very focused on being my Holy Spirit and telling me where I'm allowed to act and what I'm allowed to do. And then also you've, you're tying my hands to do ministry if I disagree with a volunteer. And that just didn't work. And so, you know, there are those times. And so as we got to go through this, we're going to bring up some personal stories. We have pastors. Hopefully we'll have uh, several people that even aren't on church staff. So they'll be able to speak into some of these issues in a, in a really cool way. But I think we need to kind of identify to get started in this introductory episode. What is a ministry red flag? Yeah, what are we, what are we even talking about here? Yeah. Um, and I think the place we need to start is is just recognizing that warning flags are they're just indicators that yeah. when we're paying attention to them, you know, when we're when we're being discerning, mm-hmm. they're going to help us avoid unnecessary uh, or damaging effects in our ministries. Oh, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, they're gonna they're gonna help prevent some catastrophes. They're gonna help prevent some damage in our churches, yeah. or or in our ministry, or in our career. In our families, like yeah. we're just paying attention to this, right? That's, that's yeah. the, the basic the basic definition of a red flag is it's a warning signal that there's danger ahead. Well, and if you don't do something, them. you're gonna be in yeah. you're gonna be in hot water. Think about a check engine light too. Like there are certain engine lights that pop up on my car that I can discern because I pay attention to them and I see them. But I can like when it was at one point a few weeks ago, uh, you know, there was a huge winter storm and it was negative twenty degree wind chill. And I'd get in, I'd turn on my cars, and my low tire pressure light would come on. I didn't have low tire pressure. It messed with the sensor. So I called somebody I knew and says, this is a big deal. And they said no, and we moved on, right? I, not every, not all flags are created equal, but all flags need to be understood and seen. And, and that was, you know, and so we live in that. I think the red flags can really span a wide, wide range of issues. That's why there's going to be so many episodes, several episodes dedicated to this. But it could be moral integrity. It could be uh, church safety. It could be uh, what I think the biggest one is are self-defeating hindrances. Like it used to make me, it really bothered me. Uh, my best friend is has been in and around ministry his whole life. And I remember he stopped me. It, it wasn't even, it wasn't super early, but uh, recent, but it was a while back. And I really got challenged by this. Because he said, you know, our church, I wish you could move out and hang and live with us and do ministry out here. And he said, but, you know, you just, you wouldn't really fit in at our church. And that really bugged me. Like, I got so irritated. I was like, what do you mean I won't fit in at your church? I love Jesus. I can do ministry. And, but then as as I kind of thought about it, because that's, that's how I think a lot of us are, is it was just a good point. I just wouldn't fit with that style of church. But I have been a part of some churches, some churches not, but have been a part of some churches, and we all have, where we either see it happening or we're in the middle of, it's self-defeating because when they hired you, even though they saw a lot of things that wouldn't work, they thought they could fit you in. And then it becomes self-defeating. It's It hurts the people that you're serving under because you're not going to be there long. It hurts you because you're not able to do ministry. And, and just paying attention to red flags is okay. And that's a good thing. So, you know, I think that that's a big one. And I think... Red flags, you know, we're often um, 
gosh, I don't know how to say this thing. Red flags are often seen and, and they're either not recognized or they're ignored, hoping that they'll just turn into nothing. I think that's the danger of it. Well, we we don't, yeah, we're we're not paying attention. I think we we don't even or we brush them under the rug. Like, right? how many times have have you encountered a, a negative experience yeah. in life? And then you just kind of shake your head and, or, you know, you palm yeah. to the face kind of a thing. And you say, how did I not see that coming? And like the warning <laughs> signs were there. Like I, I knew I had all the warning signs. I just didn't pay attention to it. All the red so, flags were evident those moments. and I just ignored them. And I, I could. And a lot of times it's it's not that we aren't capable of seeing it's It's that we choose not to see them. I think that's the we right thing. we yeah. don't want to see those red flags we want to think ah, it's yeah. not an issue it's gonna be fine it's all gonna work out that's not a big deal until it is a big deal but i think and then we're not ready for it I, you know it's fun the longer that i live and the longer i do ministry i think that the easiest person to lie to is ourselves and the and the first person to believe our lies is ourselves and i think that going along with that i think that we spend i think a lot of it has to do and that's why we're going to talk in the series so much about recognizing and responding because I think a lot of times we recognize and then we just, we don't know how or we're afraid to, or we just don't respond. Yeah. And that, that's what happens. I, my wife and I have been watching, I don't know if you've ever watched the show, uh, big bang theory. Uh, but we, we think it's hilarious and we enjoy watching it. And I just, I remember watching just a couple nights ago, we saw the episode, we binge. So we'll like turn it on and do other stuff while it's going in the background. And I just remember there's this episode where Penny has, Sheldon rides with Penny and they're riding and he goes, your check engine lights on. And she says, I know it's been on ever since I bought the car. And he goes, you should get that checked on. And then like, I mean, and then they wait like seasons later and they're driving and there's a medical emergency and the car just goes, and it just dies. (laughs) There's this, this, paid attention to the light. There's this, I told you so moment. And and so, but I think about that with us. And so I think that there, but I think there's going to be some really good, benefits to the series mm-hmm. right i mean because think about it if you're especially i think this is true if you're if you're attend a church because of the greatest thing and I, and I see this happening a lot more i don't know if the outcome is being hand, like the end game so you can do the right thing and do it really well and then you can totally ruin the end it's all about the ending but i have seen more and more over the past five or six years churches that and it tends to be more high profile churches where pastors and the problem is we've talked about this so often pastors try and build their own kingdoms for their own uh, you know and maybe it's just easier to get into church and try and manipulate people than it is to become a business mogul or whatever that is but we see I see so many pastors who are more suited to try and be entertainers than they are pastors mm-hmm. and and one thing that I think is so interesting is I've seen this happen more and more that pastors are being asked to leave, not because of an affair, not because of some moral issue. Now, a lot of times that happens, but I've seen a lot of churches that are starting to say, no, you need to pastor us. You're not, if you're called to go be a national, whatever, go be a national, whatever, but you exist in this city, in this town, in this body. And that I think we're seeing, I would love to see more and more churches standing up and we don't tend to think that way. Most churches, because maybe that we've been taught to consume, maybe we're just timid and I get it, but you think I'm just one voice out of these. And so you kind of have two options, right? It's either, um, either my option is just ignore it and bury it. You know, well, I don't like that my pastor seems like a politician. He's either a Democrat or Republican or he's something weird. Or he seems like a 
he's America first, Jesus second. I don't like that, but you know what? I'll just, we talk about the Bible occasionally, you know, we kind of bury that and, but that keeps eating at us or we leave and we're bitter about it. And I don't know a lot of people who leave a church because of an unresolved issue who are like, oh, it's okay. And they just move on. Usually there's, there's anger that spreads places and there's frustration. And I, I don't think that those are the only two options. I think there's more than just that. Yeah. I, I think so when we encounter what we're talking about is when you encounter a red flag, most of the time you either just ignore it yeah. or, or you just leave. Um, but I, th- I think another option would be that we find something else to try and misdirect. That's a good point. We, we don't, yeah. it's not so much that we're, we want to address this red flag we don't want to address this red flag. So instead of, you know, facing that head on, mm-hmm. we're going to pick at something else. That's you know, the, the problem behind the problem, <laughs> yeah. as it were. Um, and so that that's that's a third option. But yeah, none of those three options are the, are the, are the good one, right? Well, um, you tell, said, I got to tell a story because you said that and it. it remind, I went to a church that was just very... 30 years ago, conservative, not theologically. Um, they were terrible theologically, just a mess. I found out when I, after I got there. But, like, it was really funny because we were doing a student camp and we were connecting them, and I told this story recently to our church that we, we pastor at, um, talking about bathing suit rules. And I had I'd got there about three leaders in this church, and the student ministry had doubled in size, and we had all these new leaders, and things were just changing. And the problem that this group of three or four or five leaders had was – We've been here for 20 years. Things have changed. In 20, and, I, and I lovingly, after hearing us eight or, eight or 10 times, I said, your student ministry was in decline for five years before this. And now we've seen it picking up and growing and kids getting connected. So I don't want to hold on to that. But I, there's a place for you here. And so I just remember it didn't matter what I said or what I did. What you're saying is 100% true. They would come to me and go, this is a real red flag. I were really strong. You would let girls wear two-piece bathing suits at camp? And I said, I would. Why? Well, because we're going to the beach anyway, and we're going to have some modest guidelines on those two pieces, but we need to teach boys not to be pigs and then to learn how to keep their eyes straight, and we need to teach girls what modesty really is. Because And and they went, well, can we not just – just a couple years ago, we were doing separate uh, every time. I thought I cut it off, but we said, but it was just so funny because they said every time, uh, they said just a couple years ago, we were doing separate boys and girls swim times. And I went, well, how does that help when I'll see on their family's Instagram or Facebook page that none of those things apply to them? And so I think you're right. I would get nitpicked on everything else, but the biggest issue for them, which wasn't really a good issue, but their what they tended to think was a red flag was that things were changing. And so rather than deal with that and talk with it and be willing to go deeper than that, they just found everything they could to attack mm-hmm. and to nitpick. And that, and I'm going to tell you that as a, as a church member, it's going to kill your pastor. As a pastor, you've got to be willing to have conversations that push deeper than that, but it well, will it's, wear it's, people out. It's not, and it's not fair to the person you're addressing that with because yeah. it, it, it is a misdirect, which yeah. kind of by definition entails a little bit of deceit. And so <laughs> by by picking at yeah. something else, it's not really the problem. You're shifting that pastor's focus to that thing instead of addressing the actual problem. You're not giving that pastor a chance or an opportunity right. to actually address the real problem. Yeah. 
but you're going to go on being angry at them yeah. for not fixing it, but you don't have the guts to address the problem in the first place. So it's so crazy. That's that's, that's a big problem. Yeah. Um, and and if that is your problem, or if you're encountering that or seeing that, I mean, go back to earlier episodes. We we did a whole series on conflict and, and mm, learning yeah. how to navigate that in a biblical way. Some, that, some it's good. good helpful tips for you in that in that's. Um, the truth realm. is, though, so this is a very introspective series. It should be. We should be both looking at ourselves, looking at others, just like we should in any situation in life. But to that point, if you are a consumer or you have a church that you are fostering consumers, those really are your only two options. They're always going to be either bury it and move on or leave. And, and part of our goal, even here at G6 Allies and the Mad Pastors, is to help push churches to be more than that and push staffs to be more than that. Because you're right. If you just consume, then you are just at the mercy of whatever you get. But that's not how God designed the church. In fact, biblically, Acts chapter six, I think is one of my favorite situations. I mean, do I think that Acts is 100% the only blueprint? We have to do it all in home churches. Well, no, but I think it is the general principles for why the church is designed. And that's, so yes, we do church in a different way, maybe in this stylistically or uh, our methods may be a little bit different, but the principles are the same. And Acts, you know, Acts chapter six in that first section, um, I think it's really interesting and I've got it pulled up here, but do you want to read it, Michael? Just those first few verses. Well, uh, yeah, I, I, can, I can. You want to, you want to read it or do you want to just give a summary? Well, I can summarize, summarize it for us, Ian. Well, let me summarize. So <laughs> early, I'm just throwing it out there. Um, why do you look so exasperated, Michael? Calm down. Just breathe. We're going to edit this. Acts chapter 6 says what, Ian? (laughs) So, Acts (laughs) Acts chapter 6. But it's one of my favorite places because the apostles, there's this entire ministry, and the apostles' job as as sent ones, right, in Greek, and they they are sent to preach and to teach and to establish churches and to be investing and so they find themselves at this point in, in the church, church starting. The, the whole point of the church is to meet needs, to, sh- to share the gospel first, but to meet needs, to take care of others, and to bring others in. And they just get to this point where the Jews and the Greek widows and this food distribution, because they don't have any food, right? And they're, that's, that's a class of person that isn't going to get anything if the church doesn't offer it to them. Well, they start arguing that some get more than others, and there, there becomes this argument back and forth. And the disciples... I think you can easily misunderstand the point of this. And I've seen pastors who by practice misunderstand the point of this, where the apostles say, we're not, our job is not to wait tables. Are we here to wait tables or to teach? That doesn't mean that your pastor only needs to stand up two days a week. He needs to serve. The point was that the apostles were not able to do what they were called to do. And so there's this pivotal point in the church where it becomes evident that people are needed not to consume, right? Have a whole set of widows consuming, but that the people needed to come and walk in and partner in ministry with them. The church doesn't happen. Now, it doesn't matter if you're a mega church. It doesn't matter if you're a small church, a church plant, or whatever you may be. Your the, the goal of your church and your people should be partnering together and working together in the ministry. And so they assign seven men, sadly, very quickly become six men because Stephen is stoned after this, but they found seven men of, and you know, I, I, it's almost like kind of the first 
group of elders and deacons to pull together deacons. that we see. Mm-hmm. And so these deacons are, are, I mean, deacon just means servant and people that serve and do the work in the hands and feet. And so they pick seven men of, of good reputation and who are godly and full of the Holy Spirit. And they say, hey, we need you to take care of this whole situation, to make sure that every widow is loved, to make sure that disputes are taken care of, because we're going to have to be traveling and moving and teaching. And I think that in that, just in that particular place, we'll be touching all throughout scripture as we go through this. But in that moment shows that if there are red flags, if we see issues in the church, we're going to have to answer one day for how we responded to seeing those things. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to respond to what we misdirected because of not dealing with it. If we weren't checking our own intentions in our heart, we're going to have to answer for, you know, I don't think God's going to look at every pastor and go, it's your fault. I know that for a fact, we're going to have to sit there and go, you know what? I knew there were a lot of things wrong and I chose not to do the things that mattered. We ignored them. We, yeah. Yeah. So, and that's kind of, I mean, we are, we're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus in yeah, Acts 6. And, and, and that's, I mean, Acts 6 is a great reminder for us yeah. uh, as pastors that you can't do it all. Right. And nor should you try. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you said, some pastors have looked at this and, and used this to justify, hey, I'm only going <laughs> to preach. I'm I'm not going to worry about doing anything else. Do I mow my lawn? No, That's, that's what the disciples did. They <laughs> They ignored all of those things just so they could they could teach, and, and that's that's not entirely true. No, they they said it's not right for us to give up teaching to yes. do this. They recognized the importance of both aspects yeah. of this, yeah. and they and they were the shepherds or the overseers for the yeah. entire thing. So they were actively involved in this, yeah. but they had to they had to distribute some of the workload. To, to others to, to make this whole thing work. And so they, they recognize there was a red flag. Hey, I'm gonna, we're going to bury ourselves, mm-hmm. and we're not going to be able to do any of it well if, right. if we don't figure out how to get some help in this There's area. There's a lot of humility there, too, mm-hmm. because it's this idea of we, we just can't do it alone. And I'll, I'll be 100% honest to those listening. Um, when I started doing full-time ministry, I used that particular passage to get away with and, and felt like I was 100% right at the time, right? We always do. But I look back kind of embarrassed about that because I remember fighting to try and get other people to do other things that it wouldn't either I could have gone without or or could have just tried to do myself. But at the end of the day, the church, the whole point of that passage is that the church has to work together and is designed to do ministry together. Mm-hmm. And nobody, I think the biggest thing you pull from it is nobody is excluded from the need for one another and nobody is excluded from the need to serve and to invest. And that's what this whole series is meant to do. This whole series is meant to not only encourage, but to empower pastors, uh, church staffs, potential hires. If you're upcoming in ministry and you're, you're new and, and you're looking for even for an internship or those things, you need to, you need to know ahead of time, what do I need to be looking for? What do I need to do? And, and for church bodies to realize that, man, it's good and healthy to be discerning and selective Right, but it but it needs to be selective about the right things and the correct things, and and to do that we have we kind of have a filter. We will loosely or in some episodes more tightly stick to a few questions to understand, so we can kind of discern this. Right, discern being the key word, mm-hmm. the difference between a personal bias or a personal issue that I have and a real red flag, and. Uh, they are, and, and granted, these are questions in one form or another. I've asked people, I've, I've had to ask myself, 
but they're difficult and they require, you can ask the questions all day long and probably come up with answers to validate whatever you want. And so really it's the motive behind what you're willing to hear and what you're willing to answer. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, let, let me go back to Acts 6 for yeah. for a minute because I, I know We're going back. I've had numerous conversations with, with pastors who have some more explicitly than, than others have said, if I don't do it, it's not going to get done. And so, you know, it, it all falls on me. We had a nerve me. with Acts 6, didn't we? Um, <laughs> and, and that's just, yeah. Acts 6 is where you where you need to go. Yeah. Because yeah. that is the recognition from the disciples themselves that they can't carry it all. They can't do it all, and, and nor should they try. That's a red, and, that's a red flag for a, both a church attender and a pastor. That, that is a red flag, and we'll talk more about that yeah. throughout this series, but... Listen, if you have this feeling that you have to be the one to do it all because nobody else can do it as well as you or it's not going to get done right or it won't get done at all if you don't do it, then let me lovingly tell you you're a lousy leader. Mm. If you're the only one that is capable of of carrying out the ministry of your church, you're not doing a good job of of making disciples. Also, as an Um, encouragement to that, though, if you're just starting somewhere, you're just getting, I get that you kind of, you need to, you can't be in that sustainably. So there is this season. I don't want you to feel like sure. you just went to a church and you're like, I don't know, I'm doing all my, and then feel defeated knowing. But if, but if you're not handing away ministry, if you can't look back over a year of being at your church and see at least some quantitative, Hey, these are tasks I've let go that I've given away, then you're not doing well. Yeah. And that's, that's a huge thing. So, so let that, uh, whether you're ministry or not, um, man, the, the ability to, to hand off responsibility yeah. to those around you uh, or those underneath you in your organizational chart, um, that, that is super crucial yeah. to you being a, a good, healthy leader. Yeah. And so, well, um, and I think Andy Stanley has a great quote about that. One, I think you have to also be humble enough to know that you may not be the best quality <laughs> and like you might find people to do it with better quality than what you have. But I remember Andy Stanley's cause that's a lot of times that's our argument when we raise up leaders is, well, they're not going to do it like I'm going to do it. Or they're not going to do it as well. And I love that he said, even if somebody can do it 70 or 80% as well as you can, they should be doing it and you shouldn't be. And I, there's got there's a lot of grace and growth in that. I think that if the disciples had to use the same logic, most of us use or the apostles, they would have gone, I don't know, man. Stephen isn't going to help with these three widows, with Ina and whatever, the, another old name. <laughs> They're not going to work with these these ladies the way that I'm going to work with them. And I just don't. They didn't try and find men that were just like them. They tried to find the right men with the right character. And we need to find the right men and women with the right character and the right situations um, to do that. And that's not, listen, if you only produce people like yourself, then that's a really crappy church model. Because then you're just replicating you. I love Acts 6, 7 just kind of says, what's what's the result of doing that? Well, so the word of God, it spread. And the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. And that's not a claim that your church is going to triple or quadruple or whatever. The truth is growth happens internally. It happens in different ways. But the result of doing that is is deeper and better ministry. There are significant benefits yeah. to um, spreading spreading the workload oh, gosh. among others yeah. for sure. Yeah, one of them is just your family doesn't have to <laughs> live without you. But 
Um, yeah, right, so sorry, I, I sidetracked us back to Act 6, but... Hey, we're still we're, under time, and we'll end under time, so... Um, so we're, we're talking about kind of that, that filter and, and kind of understanding red flags. Um, right. So I think the first thing that we need to ask when we're, when we're trying to discern what a red flag is, and, yeah. and so we're just thinking through all of this, mm-hmm. is this a red flag in God's Word? Yeah. Is, there, is there a scriptural yeah. principle that this situation violates? Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is there a scriptural principle that this situation could violate if, sure. if we don't interact, inter, interject in it now and change courses or course correct or anything like that? If we're yeah. not involved in it, are we going to be breaking God's word in some way? Yeah, and, um, and we're going to be touching throughout Scripture. I mean, one place that will be pretty heavily probably a couple times are going to be the the requirements of elders and deacons and pastors and those are those are general principles right and we'll be all throughout the word of god but there but yeah god's word is pretty clear most of the time on red flags i mean some things you might have to study a little bit harder right and mm-hmm. and so the, the the second one though what happens if if it's not in god's word but it still doesn't seem like a good thing I think the other question is, you know, I was talking to Michael about this earlier, and I was just kind of laughing. I said it reminds me of Martin Luther at the Diet of Worms, where he says, uh, he says, unless I can be convinced by Scripture or plain reason, I will not recant. And mm-hmm. I think that, the, that we kind of have to take that same approach, is that not only is it a red flag in God's Word, but is, is it a red flag logically? And uh, one good example, I served at a church. There were so many staff and HR problems that were going on, and I had been— Honestly, I couldn't have known going in what it was. I asked questions. I thought I knew better. There's not a whole lot that I missed in this particular instance. But the more unhealthy, the more I was there, the more unhealthy it was. And they had the the HR guy also be the finance guy. Talk about a conflict of interest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I don't even know if I thought about it that way. But like I've never, you know, I've never turned to this, you know. Um, the second letter of Paul to church administrators where he said, don't put the HR guy over money too. And there's, there's yes. no verse about that. But then you've got to think logically, okay, this is not, this is a red flag because it's not healthy. And and maybe you're watching like me for the first time when I learned this that way was, I was like, I didn't know that was an issue, conflict of interest until somebody pointed out that I was having so much issue because uh, this guy would hear something from from a leader or staff member that was gossiping about another one, then come grab you. And then he would also talk about your pay right after he talked to you about how you weren't doing well. And it was just like, it was so awful yeah. because you thought, well, if I do, if I do the wrong thing here, even if say most of the time it lies back and forth and gossip on the staff and you'd be like, I don't know if I'm going to lose my money. And so, you know, the, the way the head pastor would talk about that, he'd go, no, man, you know, that won't happen. Well, that's not a good yes. response. I mean, so. and, and sometimes these two things overlap, sure. right? The, oh, yeah. the, is no it, doubt. is it violating God's word? And is, does it, does it cause a red flag logically? Yeah. I worked at a church, a large church, had a $13, $14 million annual budget, and their head of, of finance, um, her only experience was a, a year or two working as a bank teller. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Nothing against bank tellers. No, right. But logically, there's a problem there that... No background in finance, no no understanding of accounting. Um, right. Certainly had never managed a budget of $13, 14000000 million. Logically, there's a red flag there, but it also creates a scriptural red flag in that 
are we being the best stewards of the money that, that God has entrusted that, that thousands of people are entrusting this oh. organization with yeah. their tithe dollars and this is the person responsible for it. So there's crazy. there's a good overlap between, hey, is this a red flag scripturally? Yes. Is this a red flag mm-hmm. logically? Yes. Uh, but then there's a third, a third filter that we need to yeah. use some discernment on. And that's whether it actually is a red flag at all, right? right? Is it a red flag or is it simply a personal issue that, hey, Ian, this isn't a red flag, but I don't like when you do this, or I don't like this about your personality or the way you are pastor. Think about how much lead. better of a conversation that is. That's so much better than, oh gosh, he's so terrible. He can't be a good pastor because he did this. And like, well, no, that's just, you guys just don't have, you buttheads personally. Like that, no. that's not a red flag issue. It's a personality sure. issue. And you can work through that stuff. The problem is you can't work through issue A while you're always trying to make issue B. Mm-hmm. And we live in such a passive aggressive culture. But I mean, to that end, I mean, I have dealt with so many times with people who it could have been a real thing. Like I remember this one leader for six months, we went toe to toe to toe to toe all the time about issues. And it was stuff like, and I don't, I still don't know to this day what this, this lady's problem was genuinely. I think it was just a pride thing, but I never got to have that conversation with her because it was, Hey, you, I was in South Atlanta and I I found out she took it. We did. I had like two or 300 kids in home groups and 12 different groups across the county. So you can't just check in on everybody all the time. And I find out one week she just took all of her kids to Atlanta. And I went, whoa, whoa, that's 14 kids at a church event. And I need you, I need you to tell me about this stuff ahead of time. We need to sign some stuff. I don't know why it's no different than a home. And we went through stuff like that, rigmaroling. And finally, and to the point that she would lie about student, lie about me to students and all that. And it was one of those things where I never even got the chance to just say, hey, what's going on? I mean, I tried to say it, but it was always something like that. And so, yeah, is, it, is there some kind of personal issue that you're struggling with that you're holding on to? And, uh, and then I think the fourth question is key because we usually stop, even if we're adept enough to ask these questions or discerning enough, the biggest hurdle, I think, is the question of how do I respond in light of the answers? Okay, so I think... Am I going, and this is, I walk through this. So we talk with pastors and church members all over the country. And I, I've had this conversation several, even last week, I had this conversation where I said, you know, this person said, I don't, this church, I don't like it. I don't like what's going on in it. I don't like the way the pastor's speaking and what they're speaking on and how they're doing it. It wasn't like topic. It was not very biblical what was going on. And I said, then why don't you leave? And the statement was, well, if there was anything better out there, I said, there is, go find it. And finally got to hear and they said, you know what, we're, we're moving on because we have spoken up, we have talked. And I said, if more people would speak up, would talk, and then when, if they get shut down or it's not something they can reconcile, would move on gracefully, we would see the church shift so much. And I think that day is coming. I think it's been coming more and more. I think pastors are being held more to account. And I think that that's something we got to keep doing. But honestly, at the end of the day, our response is going to be most important. Imagine if you can sit down and say, you know what? I personally, I just don't like this guy's personality. I can't find anything scripturally wrong with it. So I'm just going to go tell him that I love him. I want to help. I want to work with him, but I just have a hard time with him. Yeah. And those are different things. So, so yeah, as we, what we want you to do though, before all this, you might in the course of this whole podcast series, forget a few times to log on and check. So we want you to hit subscribe down low and also click that notifications button. And then it'll just pop up on your phone on YouTube and it'll go 
Let's make that noise, probably. And uh, <laughs> it'll say... I've never heard that noise. Whatever. It'll say, the Mad Pastors are here. Listen to them. They're great. Uh, probably something like that. So if they... But if you will do that, that's huge for us as yeah, we're growing. Yeah. This podcast is relatively new, and we are... We, listen, we picked up a couple new countries. We are increasingly international with people that we're connecting with. We're connecting with people all over the country. We need you, okay? Just like Uncle Sam in the 40s. We need you. And so, uh, so to, whether it's YouTube, whether it's Apple, uh, Spotify, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Oh, yeah, we're on um, radio, too. W- any place you get podcasts, yes. please subscribe. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. I don't be think— a big help to us. We'd Good it. or bad, like us or not, I don't. we can agree that we need to have a healthy church, if you're watching this, most likely, that the church needs to be healthy. So listen, it helps us more than you know— to literally click the share button. And even if you say, I don't know what I think about these guys, what do you think? That helps us at least get started the conversation. And we would love to hear whether it's by email or whether it's by comments in the YouTube and uh, the section on YouTube or you email us because you're listening online. Tell us what you want to know about red flags. Tell us what you're struggling with. Maybe share a red flag with us. We won't say your name if you don't want us to, and we'll just assume you don't. But we would love to be able to answer some questions for you uh, specifically. So looking forward to this series. Uh, Michael, any words of wisdom to end out? You look a little tired. Bye. Bye. That's, see y'all. That was very wisdomous. That was terrible. All right. <laughs> see y'all. We'll Bye see guys. you next time. Thank you for listening to the Mad Pastors podcast today. We hope that you found it not only encouraging, but beneficial that you have people in your corner doing ministry. Here's what we'd love for you to do. If you'd subscribe, review, and share our podcast, that would mean the world to us and it'd help as many pastors to hear and be encouraged just like you were. G6 is also supported by partners and allies like you who are willing to financially give and be a part of this ministry with us. So if you feel like you'd like to be a part of this with us, just go to g6allies.com slash partner and we'd love for you to become our ally in our mission to serve pastors and their families. If you have questions, comments, or just want to talk more with us about your particular ministry needs, just email us at hello at g6allies.com. We can't wait to see you next time for our next episode. 